On today's edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, we're talking prospects. Is it the right idea for rookies and second-year players, their long-term development to move positions around, plus the value of Kelly Ringo long-term, some undrafted free agents are shining in camp, all that and more on this Friday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Shout out to our everydayers for making us your first listen Monday through Friday right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. I'm Louis DiBiase, joined as always by Gino Camilleri. And Gino, I want to dive today a little more into the younger players on this football team from the last two draft classes, 2022 and 2023. I thought you had some really interesting points from your show yesterday. And we're hearing a lot of you know updates about Nolan Smith and all the different spots that they're using him on defense. What he was, you know, with Nicobe Dean out day to day with an ankle injury. He's playing stand up linebacker today. We know that Cam Jurgens is playing both center and right guard. Tyler Steen playing right guard and tackle. So they're using a lot of these young players in many different ways. Even you can look at Jordan Davis, just the different roles on the inside that you could say that mm-hmm. he's playing. And so I think that's really crucial. And I love the tweet that you made. It was about Jeff Stoutland's press conference. How like if you're not a starting offensive lineman, swing versatility is crucial for the short term. Like that is 100% correct. But when it comes to the long term, do you think like this is the right strategy? If you know Cam Jurgens is the guy at center, if you know that Nolan Smith is a pass rusher that, again, like Hassan Riddick, you don't want to use him like the Arizona Cardinals use Riddick in his early years. Is this the right strategy for their long term development to have them focus on so much like, you know, you as a scout, how do you how would you approach that for the long term, not the short term? Does that affect a player in a negative way or does it help? It's an interesting talking point in how Jeff Stoutland delivered it today. He said, if you're not a starting player, you got to have swing value. Or we're not going to take you f- to the 53 on game day. That's basically how he said it in a South Jersey accent. Yeah, so He's true. a beauty in and of his own right. I love that guy. And there's a video of today of him just on the pad hitting Jordan Mailata back. And I said, yeah. he's he's the guy in the bar that he might not look like the most intimidating, but if you step to him, you're going to have a bad day and probably end in an ambulance. But the reason is, is the guy is so passionate and he understands football to the yeah. nth degree. And what he had to say about swing versatility, I think it applies to every single position, Lou. And looking at it from a scout's perspective, to some it can – be a deterrent, right? Where they talk about the idea of a positionless player. Let's look at Isaiah Simmons, for example, in Arizona. Where do you see him? Do you see him as a backer? Do you see him as a a safety? Well, a player is a player and what the tape shows is what the tape shows. But when you get into a building, and I mentioned this on yesterday's show, alignment, position, what you're going to be asked to do down in and down out, that is ultimately going to affect who you are as a player. So having that versatility to play multiple alignments as an offensive lineman, multiple positions as somebody in the secondary, like Terrell Edmonds, who's taking linebacker snaps or Nolan Smith on the line, taking linebacker snaps, vice versa. 
we now have more parts that we can really play with here. Like we have more Legos in the set that we could put together a couple different things in a couple different ways. And ultimately you just have to continue to play to their strengths. And I loved hearing Sean Desai talk at length today. He's just such a better speaker than Jonathan. Gannon oh yeah. He's was. way more and interesting. To gives to. you so much more insight and he's like, yeah. I, you want to play to these players strengths and you want to, give them good reps and stack good days because if they do something well and you just haven't been using it, well, then you can get it and use it as a tool in your arsenal. And that's what they have to do. And I said, what was the point or the basic point of Sean Desai's philosophy when it comes to defense? And he said today that you want to play fast and free, but I said, it's about disguising. And what is the element of disguise being able to do many different things? And does it, hinder their development i think that's the final point to discuss there it could but at the same time if you hear cam jurgens talk and hear jeff stoutland talk about seeing him at guard each of them are seeing new opportunities arise cam jurgens talks about being next to jason kelsey and just hearing him set the protection and hearing the quarterback and being on the field and Stoutland saying, I I never knew this guy could anchor at guard, like at center where you're a little more uncovered. So you have to at least try. And and I think the ultimate icing on the cake with this was today, Jalen hurts through his first interception in camp. And why I wanted to bring that up is this is camp and this is the perfect time to experiment with things like this. You want to see if putting Tyler Steen at right guard or left tackle is going to be a major downfall. If the guy clearly can't play left tackle, you're going to put him at right guard and let him be a right guard. Well, there's a reason Cam Juergens is in the running to be the starter. If not is already the guy who has won the job. Yeah, It's because of that versatility. And that's what it boils down to. If Stoutland is going to sign off on it, if the defensive coordinator talks about it, if your offensive coordinator talks about it as well, this idea of versatility has to be implemented from a core standpoint down, but it can't mm-hmm. get lost in the young Hassan Reddick of just putting a guy yeah, in. It, it depends on the strength, you know, exactly. I, I agree. I think it has to do with, you know, if it, if the team needs that, right. I think that's a different story than mm-hmm. if the player needs to be like an Isaiah Simmons where he has to play, you know, they don't really know exactly where to put him. That's kind of a red flag. Mm-hmm. But if it's because you just want the best players out there, like at right guard, you just want Cam Jurgens out there on the field. I totally get that. Same mm-hmm. thing with Nolan Smith. Like, do we want him to be a stand-up linebacker and have, you know, the Eagles use him? Like you mentioned, the Cardinals used Hassan Reddick. Absolutely not. For the long term, Nolan Smith should be used like Hassan Reddick right now where of the time, like, sure, he's an athlete. Can he go back into coverage? For sure. I mean, we saw the play Hassan Reddick made against the Houston Texans last year in coverage. Mm But 90% of the time, that guy should be going after the quarterback. So as long as you're putting the player in the best situation for himself, that's the most that the player can get for you. That's going to help the team, too. So I I think it does depend on the player, too, when it comes to will it help their development Mm -hmm. or not for another position. Because as you mentioned with Cam Juergens, there's things Cam can learn at right guard that might help him translate to center. But there are some players, too, though, where I think if you overload their plate, that can get a little overwhelming. And then I think their development is stunted at multiple sides. Andre spots. Dillard. Yes, yeah. Andre Dillard. Exactly. I can even think of, you know, Nelson Aguilar. Just things got more simple for him when they threw him in the slot, you know, in mm-hmm. 2017. So I think it really just depends on the player. And so I, I think, you know, you have to just evaluate it as it goes. With That's my thing is as long like the Nolan Smith, that moving him to stand up over the last few days is what made me, made me think of this point is as long as they – 
aren't making that a long-term thing based on necessity when they know this kid really does something else a lot better and that's going to mm-hmm. help your long-term, then I'm okay with it. Same thing with Jurgens. Like as long as I don't want another Landon Dickerson thing where they take a player for center and now suddenly he's a guard too. And you just keep repeating this process to me, as long as they're in the best spot long-term, I'm cool with it. Cause I think Cam Jurgens is going to be a really good long-term center for Jason Kelsey and, could he be a good right guard long-term? Absolutely. But I think for the best for the Eagles is Jurgens is just your center long-term and Nolan Smith is an all-time pass rusher. So, and I think that is, of course is the plan, but you know, like Stoutland said, if you're a backup, you also have to be able to play multiple spots in the short term because they're going to need you. And if you're the most talented player, they want you on the field. When you look at Nolan Smith in particular, I, I look at the discussion of who he is going to play like and one player that pops to mind that somebody mentioned the other day was Fred Werner. And I think that's the exact type of player that you could get out of this kid. At the end of the day, what is Fred Werner the best at? Getting to the dang quarterback, right? Sure. But can he do all well, from of a different alignment though? Things? Like I, Nolan's never yeah. going to be a guy, you know, that's standing up in the middle the majority of the time. I mean, or why could not? he be? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not though. That's, yeah. That's I don't know. Point where I get kind of hung up. It's like, why is it a bad thing if Cam Jurgens is your right guard for 10 plus years? Like what if yeah. Nolan Smith can play a Fred Werner role that you never really had before? We're kind of putting these guys into boxes when in reality, this is the time that you want to see if they can do it all. And in regards to Nolan Smith, he has to be on the field. Yes. In that the is the position part I agree with. to yeah. win matchups. That's what it comes down to. Mm. Is Nolan Smith a better athlete than your worst offensive lineman? Is he a better yeah. athlete than your tight end? Can we win matchups because of that guy? That's how you have to approach versatility. Same with the safety position where they're rolling four guys in there with the ones right now. Same with linebacker, why they're getting multiple different looks in there. Because you have to be able to be versatile. You have to be able to be multiple. Because in the NFL, if you're singular, there's going to be a single outcome and it's going to be a loss. It's a great point. You know, I want to talk about another player on defense that in the draft process this year, they were talking about versatility and whether he could play corner or safety. I want to talk about the value of Kelly Ringo, who's, He's had some big plays over the last few days. He's had some struggles, too. We kind of want to talk about his long-term value coming up next. We talked so much about these other Georgia kids that they've drafted the last two years. Get a little Ringo talk in the secondary coming up right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. But before we do that, we have a message from our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. If you don't know what Underdog Fantasy is yet, you are missing out. Basically what it is, it's the easiest form of fantasy football. It is a best ball format. What does that mean? You have one draft. You never have to hit the waiver wire. You never have to make a trade. Underdog is just going to set the best lineup for you each and every week. And if that hasn't sold you yet on how easy and efficient it is, well, let me tell you what. They're back for Best Ball Mania number four, the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back and bigger than ever with $15 million. Dollars of total prizes up for grabs. Yes, $15 million. Every time I read this, it just sounds surreal, but it is the truth. The winner's going to get $3 million to go home with. It's better than playing the lottery. If you know football, you got to get in on the action now. I'm in on it, losing on it. Everybody over here at Locked On is on Best Ball Mania 4. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the app in the app store on your mobile device. Use the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D. O-N to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D 
O-N. Get in on the action today. All right, Eagles fans. Thanks so much for tuning into the Friday edition of the show. Shout out to our everydayers for making us your first listen Monday through Friday. We're talking young guns today on this Friday edition of the podcast. You know, I want to talk a little bit about Kelly Ringo, who's made some nice plays over the last Keely? few days in camp. Keely, Keely, my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be this is Draw one of those. Box. Yes. Like <laughs> me. So I feel, I feel like with Keely Ringo, he made a really nice play the other day in the red zone on Devontae Smith, closes in on a ball from Jalen Hurts, makes a nice pass breakup. Then today, got burned on a double, uh, on a sluggo route down the field. And what I loved about that, you know, that tweet we saw from all these beat reporters is James Bradbury instantly comes up and mm-hmm. starts giving Ringo some pointers on how to, you know, better prepare for that kind of situation, you know, at the next level against an A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith type. There's so many elite receivers in the league. And Ringo naturally, you know, I think some compared him to Razul Douglas in a way coming out of college. I think he's more athletic than Razul, but because of that aggress- aggressive instinct, right, coming downhill as a corner, he wants to make a play on the ball. But sometimes, you know, you might bite and get a little aggressive and you, you might get burned for it. So I'm just thinking of Ringo, and I think he has some development this year, but the upside is incredible. And, you know, I think he, you know, we've talked about like the importance of so many different players on this team for the future. With Ringo, I, I don't think his value should be undersold when you look at the age of Slay and Bradbury, when you look at the position that he plays and the upside that he has and the track record of the Eagles, not to say they're never going to draft a corner in the first or second round, but Gino, they don't really acquire a lot of Ringo type of talents coming out of college because they just simply don't invest a lot of top picks in Ringo. Yes. Was he a fourth round selection? So on the surface, does it seem like a big investment in a guy that should have a lot of stock in this team's future? No. But when you look at Ringo's consensus draft evaluation over the last few years, most thought he was considerably a first round talent, if not a second, an early day two pick. And so if the Eagles kind of continue their draft strategy and Slay and Bradbury don't last another three, four years, which they're not going to, Ringo has, and again, they're going to invest in corner. Of course, they value this position, but Ringo has, there's a lot of stock in this kid. If he can pan out, um, He's the best young talent they have in the secondary right now, I think, at least at corner. You think at corner? You think he's he's good enough to be an outside corner? Like he has the hips. You think he can open up and play? I don't know, Mills. I mean, that's a good point. But he's going back to Rasul. I know. But he's got – Rasul Douglas is really good in Green Bay, though. I'm not saying he could be CB1. He is now, and Rasul was much more of a ball hawk than Keeley ever was. Rasul got to the football in college. Keeley didn't have many interceptions. That's so you thing. don't think Ringo is, is a long-term guy. I don't think he's a long-term outside corner, but I think he's a long-term, yeah, we could put this guy as a defensive back, and he can cover basically anybody in the middle of the field. I mean, he's probably right now, Lou, I might sound crazy saying this, your best weapon to cover a big slot or a big tight Ooh, Okay, I kind of like this thing. counter, though. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, with Zool, I called for it all the time. If he can play a safety hybrid role and suddenly that's what you're going to have to get by, out by him, matchup. Luke. That's what you're going to yeah. have to get. Like, do you get a an outside corner out of him? That I don't know. But if you could walk away from this draft class with him and Sidney Brown and say for the next six, seven years, minimum six, seven years, we have two starting defensive backs locked up. That's one of those things that you could say, okay, we could start to fill in the gaps elsewhere, but we know we have a very good foundation. And that's pretty easy when you could be even more proactive with Slay and Bradbury there. And it's an interesting discussion because I think you're a little more put the guy in the position, let him excel where I'm like, 
dude, I, if you want the kid to be a safety, like if he wants to come downhill and hit and he could play the coverage on the back end and you could get him on the field right away, like he's not going to see the field as an outside corner for how long, in my opinion. Because no, right now it's it's Josh Job, the number two coming off of the bench ahead of Greedy Williams, which, hey, I'm, I've been on the Job train. I've been telling you this kid can play. Yeah. But if you want Keely Ringo in a Sean Desai system to be one of your – First guys off the bench in a big dime situation, a big nickel situation. Yeah. He absolutely could play that. And part of that I will position, say though, Luke, you know, like he is fourth. He is a four three speed corner. It's not like this kid's this you know slow oversized oh, no, corner no, no. that but, can't. But move. moving in open space is a lot harder. Sure, like defending. But I will say, like man coverage on the outside is a lot harder. That's, that's than fair. But like, is James Bradbury the most athletic corner in the NFL? I mean, and look at the seasons that he's had. That's fair. I mean, is that to to take your point? Is James Bradbury a good person to have in front of Keely Ringo as a big body cornerback that he can learn from? That's yeah. That's a very good point too, Lou. I think that's an interesting discussion. I get your point though, man. I, like I, I think you're right that he's not a CB one that just shadows. Like that's not the future I'm talking mm-hmm. about, where he's shadowing a top receiver. But like Green Bay, I think is very happy they have a Jair Alexander, right? So when you have that kind of corner, a CB two. That's Razul Douglas. That can work for that team mm-hmm. because Jair is going to take that overall top receiver every single play. Zul then can have the better matchups and you can use him in better situations on his strengths. And that's why he's thriving in Green Bay. That's my point with Ringo is I feel like he or and honestly, your point was kind of the same. It's like maybe his strengths, though, are at safety and he's covering mm-hmm. the tight ends and running backs and he's that hybrid role. I just think he has like him and Sidney Brown. You finally have bright futures in the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. And considering you don't invest a lot of top assets in there, those are important players that you hope yeah. can develop. You ha- I mean, you have to have them develop. And yeah, that's bouncing off of our discussion yesterday. Like, is Keeley yeah. going to come in and be a perfect product right away? No. Is Sidney Brown? No. I mean, Sean Desai said today that he's happy to see him going up the depth chart, but there's some mental things to clean up. It's a fast paced yeah. game, man. And, Keeley, he's getting his feet under him right away. But at the end of the day, you have to hope that you walked away with two guys that you could say on our back end, we're not going to have to worry about drafting for this position, at least for a little bit, in my opinion. And whether that's Keeley being an outside corner, being a safety, what Sean Desai does in practice every day by moving these guys around to our point in the first bit of the show. Yeah. Get him some good days at a different position. See if he could do something else. I mean, try a different topping on your pizza. I mean, move them around. Yeah. That's what you have to do. You can't just bring a guy in, say, Jalen Mills, we we drafted you to be a corner. You're going to be a corner. Same Eric Rowe. We, yeah, Rizul yeah, Douglas Rowe. or Eric oh, Rowe. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. How great of a player would Eric Rowe be well, I was gonna say, right Rowe now in to, Philadelphia? Like? Yeah, Rowe actually turned out to be a, a – he made a long-term NFL career for himself. Is he they still moved down in Miami? I, I don't remember, but he's been there. So, and he's I think been, he still is. And he was playing safety, which I think was his more natural position at Utah. Yes. So, yeah, to your point. Was. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of there was no argument there. You right, exactly. Oh, he's in Carolina now. That's a versatile back. That's another the Jeremy Panther Jim, brand. Brother, continues. Yeah, magic in uh, safety. Gino, I think when you look at, too, in the secondary, you mentioned Josh Joe. There's some undrafted free agents that are shining right now at mm-hmm. camp that are really making a name for themselves, potentially for this 53-man roster. Josh Job, of course, was an undrafted free agent last year out of Alabama, was really good in the preseason in camp, made the mm-hmm. 53-man roster, but they signed Greedy Williams. They had Zach McPherson. They drafted Keely Ringo. You look at, too, I think I'm missing, oh, Eli Ricks, we both really like mm-hmm. their undrafted you know, free agent coming out of Alabama as well. 
Job, I thought maybe might be the odd man out. You had him in the 53 man roster predictions, but not only is he seeming like he's ahead of a lot of those young kids, he's like the first boundary corner off the bench. When, you know, James Bradbury went down the other day, it was Job that was coming in on the outside. They love length at the outside corner position. They love speed. They love open area quickness and, they have a lot of those guys that can do that right now. And it, it's intriguing to see Josh Joe being that next guy up because now you have to say, is Greedy Williams a lock? Like, is he a lock to make that roster if he doesn't put together a good preseason with some of these other young players that you have? And yeah, I think all around the ball, you can just continue to point out guys who shout out to these area scouts that are calling these UDFAs in the seventh round to try and get them. Brady Russell out of uh, Colorado. I was at his pro day and, Today, Jimmy Kemsky wrote up that the tight ends coach cannot stop talking about this kid. And I think it boils down to with these UDFAs. I think I mentioned this yesterday. Are you willing to play special teams? Yep. Do you have the tools to be developed? Are you not an issue in the locker room? And are you willing to get better? And Christian Ellis, I think, fits that mold as well. I think Josh sure. Job, I think. Makai Gardner, man. Makai Gardner, under the radar. Goodrich is having corner, a decent camp. Yeah, an undrafted kid from LSU at, at cornerback. A lot of draft analysts, by the way, said like they're not surprised he's shining in camp, that he had no business going undrafted. Somebody said he was all no business being undrafted yes. team number yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been very aggressive in camp. I, I guess he's had some huge hits. He's been more in the news than Eli Ricks, who was the mm -hmm. guy that getting a lot of the hype, of course, coming out of the draft being you know the, the top undrafted corner, at least we thought that the Eagles brought in. So these guys are definitely pushing for a roster spot. And, you know, that's huge because the Eagles have a pretty solid track record of turning late round draft picks. And, you know, honestly, for a while there, they were better at turning those guys into players than, than top draft picks. So I, mean, I think the majority me, of rosters. Yeah, I, I think is. in the NFL now, Philly fans pay more attention to those players than other fan bases for sure, because we've seen the value of it. And these guys, I'm excited to see what they do in camp or I should say preseason. There's a lot of competition. Oh, I can't wait for the videos to come out of open practice yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really good environment to see those kids in mm -hmm. who can step up when the when the lights turn up a little bit, right? And I think right. BG made a good point. When when you're at, at these open practices, everybody wants to look good. So let's see who can be the best. And I, I love seeing the young kids step up, Lou, because not only does it say that they're okay developing players, but at the same time, it, it's a – what have you done for me lately? Nothing is earned in the National Football League. Like Job coming off the bench for Greedy Williams. Like doesn't matter that Greedy Williams was a second round pick a couple of years ago and they paid him UD or, or free agent money more than this kid Job is getting. But if Job's a better player, they're going to put him on the field. And the Eagles have oh, yeah. never shied away from that. Look at Jordan Mailata and Andre right. Dillon, That's right? Great like, point. No, I don't care if you're point. a first round pick. If Buddy from Australia is better at playing left tackle, we're going to yeah. put him at left tackle. Well, look at Reed Blankenship, undrafted Another kid. One. Last year, he might safety. be the number one safety. Lou. Yeah. And, you know, he's a better player than Kevon Wallace, who they drafted higher. Mm -hmm. A few years before, they were, they've, they're still bullish on. He's getting, you know, first was, team was a first round pick. Yeah, Terrell Evans, by the way, um, not sometimes getting first team reps, which is interesting. Sydney Brown's been moving up the depth chart. Walls has been getting first team reps. So I think he's a, that's a interesting more to me. rotational, like 
sub package type of guy where See, he's going to play a lot more backer yeah. than you think. Which is a good scenario, best case scenario, Gino. I want Blankenship and Sidney Brown to develop and get, be better than Edmonds because mm. they're the long-term, right now at least on the roster, they're your long-term safety. So yeah, you want those guys to be better than Edmonds. I just thought, and you're right, like he is more of a hybrid, like probably better being your like third safety. But when they did sign him, I thought when this team has two safeties on the field, they're going to use more three safety looks. But when they have two, I don't know, for me, I thought Edmonds was, and you know, of course he could still be, it's it's August 4th, but I thought he was going to be a guy that's always on the football field. That might not be the case if Sidney Brown continues to, you know, improve and improve more and Blankenship, it sounds like is a lock right now to be a starter. Sirianni and his press conference said there's a spot open at safety. So mm -hmm. I would predict that's Edmonds' spot. So yeah, I mean, that actually might be the reality, which I didn't predict, but again, I'll, I want that. I want the young guys that are here long-term that actually have a potential future to upend the one-year rental player. In the UDFAs, it's kind of like you're fighting for a four-year contract in a way sure. to an extent, right? Like you're trying to quote-unquote get drafted right now. That's what you're looking for. And yeah, maybe just not having the idea of being at an NFL camp and just not knowing the, the business side of it yet is why these young players can step up to the plate. But I, I love to see it. And Brayton Covey apparently has been creating separation as that fifth wide receiver. Joseph just, Nada looks pretty Joseph good. Nada looks Some reporters good. said he looks like the best receiver after the top three. Yeah, they said that outside of the top two and Dallas Goddard, that Joseph yeah. Nada has had the most quote-unquote wow type of catches yeah. out of camp. And and that's what you want to see, especially with a veteran-ridden roster and one that has a lot of overhaul. Nobody should be handed a position here. It mm. should truly be a competition. And you knew at linebacker it was going to be the same way. Heck, if Christian Ellis is a better player than Nicholas Morrow, play Christian Ellis. And if Reed yeah. Blankenship and Kevon Wallace are a better duo than Blankenship yeah. and Ter Terrell Edmonds play the guy who he's better with. And that's how you have to approach it. And in this scenario where you have a quarterback who makes so much money, the rest of the star players make all this money. Those guys in the margin, it has to be a competition based approach. It has You want to those players to be the ones that pan out for sure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of guys that are shining on both sides of the ball that are young and have an opportunity. And we've got a preseason game coming up soon. So we're going to see them hit the field in live game action. That's going to be exciting. Open practice as well on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. A lot of exciting stuff. Joint practices soon with the Browns and the Colts. We got you covered on all of that right here on your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Locked on Eagles, Monday through Friday. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. We'll see you next Monday for another edition of the podcast. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for watching and listening. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.